Hello, and welcome to Carol A. Furman's podcast. This podcast will leave you with behind-the-scenes stories, educational lessons, and questions never before asked. Furman is a world-renowned American sculptor. Her work is like no other, and she is a leader in the movement of hyperrealism. In this episode, Carol will be sitting down with Drew Arstark to talk art and some of her beautiful pieces that are featured all around the world. Drew will be going over some of Carol's history growing up as an artist and paving her way through the art industry, creating a name as a female artist and leaving her legacy as one of the world's most famous artists. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Now, let's get to it. Hi, my name is Drew Arstark and I am an art consultant and curator based in New York. And I'm so happy to be here today with Carol Furman on behalf of Chase Contemporary New York. With a very successful career that spans four decades, Carol Furman is one of the leading hyperrealist sculptors in the world and one of the only women in the genre. She was a pioneer in the movement in the 1970s, along with Dwayne Hansen and John DeAndrea. And her sculpture has been exhibited in countless solo and group exhibitions throughout the world including those at the National Portrait Gallery, the State Hermitage Museum, Palazzo Strozzi Foundation, the Venice Biennale, and others. She's had six museum retrospectives to date, is the subject of four major monographs, has won numerous awards, and is represented in public and private collections all over the world, including those of President and Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton, the Richard R. Weissman Art Foundation, Dr. Henry Kissinger, the Mikhail Gorbachev Art Foundation, the State Hermitage, Grounds for Sculpture in Trenton, New Jersey, the Bass Museum in Miami, Florida, and the Malcolm Forbes Magazine Collection, to name just a few. I just had to say all of that because she's such an accomplished and amazing woman and artist, and um, she is a superstar (laughs) of international proportions. So, um, and I wanted to give that background for detail. And anyone who has seen Carol Furman's sculpture in person is immediately struck by how real they look and how they emanate a life force. Actually, I thought we could just start off with showing a few images from a few recent shows, including um, Chase Contemporary, where you had a show last year solo exhibition. And here we are with your sculpture, Kendall. And whoops, can you see all of these? Um, That's just to give you some idea. And then um, unbelievable, Carol had nine sculptures along the Champs-Élysées in Paris also last year, which is Remarkable. And um, I can't even imagine what that must be like to be walking along the streets in Paris and see your work. Um, Okay, so, and then um, if you happen to be in Venice during the 2017 Venice Biennale, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Again, there was an incredible solo exhibition of her work with how many, about nine? About 13. 13 um, monumental outdoor sculptures. Anyway, um, 
just to give you an overview of her work. Carol, as one of the founders of hyperrealism, can you please define that? <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me here, Drew. Um, hyperrealism is um, it grew out of it grew out of photorealism, which was paintings. Hyperrealism was when a sculptor took things to another level. And with me, I got personal. Um, it, you make it like I made sculptures that you'd think there was a person in the room. They were so real. And when I took it to a personal level, each sculpture was not just a swimmer, but they represented um, some of my feelings that I've gone through in life, like survival or perseverance. Um, Actually, I'm just curious. Do you know why you're a hyper-realist sculptor? Do you know why that appeals to you so um, That's a very good question. You know, I'm, you're the curator, so you probably know more about me than I know about me. But um, I always liked realism. And realism <clears throat> was a genre that through the ages, people have, people have always, they always did that. You know, real, realism from, uh, um, from uh, John Singer Sargent, Rembrandt, and some of my heroes. But um, hyperrealism is more of a contemporary thing where, um, and it's sculpture. So I, I like things that are like super real and I just like that. And I find it a very good venue to explore a piece and to, um, and to speak about things I can't say in person. Um, my work speaks for me. I mean, I was just thinking about what that was like um, in the 1970s you know, when, you know, minimalism was what was the, the champion movement of the day. And here you were with Dwayne Hansen and John DeAndrea forging this, this style. And um, obviously you have a formal training. Not really. Not really. I didn't study sculpture. Okay. But um, speaking of the 70s, um, minimalism, then expressionism, and then um, also you had to be a man. You know, women, the, uh, galleries didn't take us seriously. They, they didn't want to invest in a show, which is very expensive for a gallery to do because um, women uh, have children, get married, and they never thought women would take their careers seriously. So it's very hard to get started. Um, not only was it hard, but I can recall a very um, an interesting story that I never really told anyone. So this is something that you made me think of. Mm. Um, I was not trained as a sculptor, and I wanted to do this hyper-realism sculpture. And I went to um, art studio of Ben, ben, ben Bianchi, who actually posed for the man on the ladder, the artist on the ladder for Dwayne Hansen. Mm. And he... Um, would, he taught me how to use resins and how to do the castings. And when it came to critiquing my work, he invited another artist, another man, to critique it. And it was very, very hush-hush, like, don't tell anybody mm. we help you. Because um, they didn't want to get known in the art world for actually helping a woman. 
So uh, you just reminded me of that story. It was, I took my work and I put it in the trunk of my car and they came out of their studio and they looked at it and then they slammed the trunk down and they never thought that I would ever make it. Um, I was never encouraged. But uh, that's the 70s. To, to the point that I, I almost changed my name to a man's name just to get ahead. Wow. And as I said, you are one of the only women yeah. hyper-realist sculptors, right, it's, in the world. Uh, yeah, there's um, Patricia Puccini, but she doesn't, do, she's a hyper-realist, but she doesn't really do the same type. It's not figurative no, in it's the not, way. No, it's, not, it's more like um, unusual animals yeah. and things like that. There's really yeah. nobody. And there's no one who does the pieces for outdoors in lacquers. Okay. All right. So... The other question I have, because I know everyone wants to know, um, what inspires you to make the sculptures you do? And why swimmers? And why are they mostly women? Well, what inspires me? It's not about an inspiration so much as a means of communication. Mm. Um, like I had a very difficult um, first half of my life. Uh, I was never, um, my parents didn't encourage me. They discouraged me. They wouldn't pay for my art career. Um, I couldn't get into a gallery. There were a lot of like real difficulties. Um, and through everything, I was able to survive and try to keep a balance and um, to persevere. And that's why um, the sculptures, each one, um, like this is balance over here and this is survival of Serena. And these are my stories. So why are they swimmers? Um, the figurative art helps me tell a story. It's my way of communicating. I've, I don't communicate through abstract art. I don't communicate with uh, through um, like Joel Shapiro's um, Mm -hmm. you know, metal posts. It's not, for me, I really can communicate through people because I love people and I love to do sculptures of people. And I'm a woman's woman. You asked about women. Um, I think when all the curators start to say, you only do women, you're known for doing women, um, a little bit, I got a little rebellious and I started to, to do a sculpture of a friend of mine, Rich Newselise, who's doing this podcast with us today. And he posed for, this, for the golden mean. Well, yes, and I was going to get to that because um, you indeed do not do sculptures of only women. That is absolutely true. I was going to get to that. Okay. So um, the question is, so when you first started out, I would say there were more traditional sculptures, uh, subject matter, sort of along the lines of, of, of Dwayne Hansen in a way, you know, everyday people. Actually, um, actually, I started with erotic art. Okay. All right, you started with erotic art. I remember that story, that's true. Um, but my point is, mm -hmm. or where I'm going with this is, when did, you, when did you know, when did that first swimmer happen? When, when did that, when was that moment? That was a moment. That was a moment that changed my life. Um, I was an illustrator to get through college. 
And um, a friend of mine, uh, her father paid for my college. I did album covers for him. And uh, I was sitting on the beach, which I love swimming in the beach. I don't actually love swimming. <laughs> I love that. But I love the, I love sure the beach. sure everyone appreciates this. <laughs> and I was, I had... I had three children, um, they were little, and I was thinking, I was very unhappily married and I was thinking of getting a divorce. So I went to the beach and my kids were playing and I'm sitting on the beach and I see this girl and she looked a little older than me and she was coming out of the water but she had her head held high and she looked like, she looked like she was so confident and she could do anything. And I, I thought at that moment, I'm gonna do a sculpture of a woman like her, of a swimmer and a fragment, because I started with fragments. And that woman was at, I, I identified with her, like she was me, and I did my first swimmer. I started it in 1979, I finished it in 1981, and um, that's how I started doing swimmers. And I did my first swimmer and I put water drops on it, which I'm known for, nobody else does that. And. Um, Malcolm Forbes bought my first show, and he bought this one-of-a-kind swimmer, and he sent it to Fiji Island. I'm thinking, oh, my God, now I came up with something. Nobody's ever going to see it. It's buried away on Fiji Island, so I had to do more swimmers. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, like I was saying, like everything grew out of, everything has a story. Everything grew out of my life. Um, we had a time, my parents had a timeshare in Key West and um, we'd go down to Key West and also it was, uh, it was the early 80s and um, in Key West in the seven, late 70s and 80s, um, we had this Cuba, Cuba, people, immigrants were floating on on inner tubes mm. in from Cuba and on rafts. And I was so moved by brave women who were floating on rafts to save their life that I did the survival of Serena. And that was... Which the, is one of your, your best known <laughs> and most... Um, important sculpture. I think it is, yeah. Absolutely. And um, I love that everyone has a story. Yeah. And um, and the titles are also amazing. Everything is so meaningful. Well, you know, you, anybody can make a copy of something. And people ask me, you know, what's the difference between your work and a mannequin? Um, well, a mannequin doesn't tell a story you know, they're selling something. I think with my work, if it's a story and if it has meaning, um, then someone can identify with it. And that's what it's all about. It's about meaning. But it's, it's also, it's beyond that. <laughs> they are imbued with a, a life force. I mean, it, they're absolutely incredible. And I, I, I just, I wonder how you do that. Um, that's, that's, that's what makes you, you. Um, but I also, um, you know, they're also so peaceful and meditative and, um, you know, how, how autobiographical are they? Very, they're very autobiographical. And, um, I think meditation really helped me in my life because, um, I got to a point where, um, I needed um, inner direction, and the only way I was able to um, understand myself and know where I was going was to take um, time every morning by myself and try to 
think about what I wanted to accomplish, what I've done, and where I want to go. And every morning I would I would talk to myself in a very quiet way. And it was my own type of meditation. So it wasn't a formal. No, it wasn't like. Like TM. Yeah, you know, So nothing. this was just something you came to by yourself. Yeah, that I had to um, have quiet time where I thought about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say. And I saw it clearly, like I saw the girl coming out of the water, but you have to have the quiet moment with um, your eyes closed, and that's why I did Eyes Open. That's a new piece you're talking about. <laughs> wow. So I was, I referred to some of the titles. Um, obviously, this is um, Survival of Serena. Um, another one that I really, I, I wanted to show was Quan. Yeah, you have a monumental Quan from the Chase Show. Exactly. But I th isn't there a better picture of it as well? Yeah, there um, should be. Let me just see if this. Anyway, we we can we can we can show that later, perhaps. But um, it's a, a woman balancing on yes. a sphere. Yeah. Here we go. And the other thing about Carol is. Um, you know, you, you mostly did life-size sculptures until, I guess, you were asked to participate in a Venice Biennale. And it, is that when you first well, went big? Yeah. <laughs> go big or go home? <laughs> yeah, that was the story, right? Yeah, well, you know, I got this wonderful opportunity by John Spike, and he curated a show in the 2006. 17, I think it was Venice Minali. It might have been before. So anyway, he said to me, I can get two sculptures at the at the entrance to the Biennale, um, one on one side and one on the other, but they can't be little because uh, no, you know, if the if the pyramids were little, no one would go to Egypt. So I want them really big. <laughs> and in those days, you know, it's like, and then he gave me like eight months. Like, you know, it was impossible. I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to do it, but how am I going to do it? You know, I only had one assistant. I, I had to carve it out of foam. I had to make it monumental. I had to make it like 12 feet, make Serena 12 feet long. And he knew exactly which ones. He wanted Serena and he wanted Catalina, this first swimmer right. and the inner tube. And... Um, I found a company in California that would blow it up in foam and then send it to me. But you know, in those days, I didn't know how to spray. I didn't know how to paint it for mm. outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know how to work in epoxy. Um, it was all a first. And you know, you didn't. I didn't learn it in school. Nobody was there to show me. Um, but you know, I I worked night and day, and it got done. And and it was the beginning. And I I have to say that was a game changer for you yeah. and your your work um, because it opened up you know obviously a whole realm of public sculpture, large outdoor sculpture. Um, collectors have them in the most amazing places. Uh, I had wanted to show pictures of this um, Brookwood Beach Ball. In, in Greece. Oh, that is fabulous. Yeah. The um, one where she's wearing yeah. a mask. Yes. And then there's, <laughs> and then the most beautiful picture of Kendall um, 
And I don't know who has that. It's someone in Switzerland, and it has snow. Maluma has one. Oh, that was in Switzerland. In Switzerland. And they, and they put it out yes. on the, the mountain. Yes, and that is the sculpture Kendall, which um, Chase Contemporary actually has, yes, Chase Contemporary has this, this sculpture at the moment. If you happen to go in the gallery, you can, you can see that. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we did talk a little bit about the fact that you are rebellious and you started to do sculptures of men. <laughs> and wow, um, you know, the first one, you hit it out of the park. That was the Golden Mean, mm -hmm. which is one of the most brilliant sculptures. It's a bronze. That's the other thing about Carol's work, okay? So she works in many different materials. She's best known for the cast resin that she paints. Carol is a painter yes. as well as I a was sculptor. Trained, right, I was trained as a painter. Okay. And um, again, if you see her work in person, it is scary. <laughs> Seriously. You know, people come up to them and they are waiting for their eyes to open, because most of them, I guess all of them have most closed eyes. And, um, and, and frankly, um, when I showed your work at a gallery um, in a large outdoor sculpture of survival of Serena, what was the size? It's 12 feet. 12 feet. You People mean? would come into the courtyard and they would marvel at this sculpture. And people would say the most ridiculous things, like, is she real? Yeah, can I mean, you imagine? It was, <laughs> it was so ridiculous because they're so big, and somebody would say, they look at this 12-foot sculpture and say, that's a real girl. Yeah, it was, it was. It's a full your eye. It was just so, so amazing. You know, this illusion and um, the, I, the illusion that I you love create. That. I know, me too. And, um, and obviously with the, with the, life-size sculptures all the time. People, well, yeah. people think they're real. Those and are more hyper-real, but at any rate, I always get a kick out of people looking at the very, very big ones and say, thinking that's a real person. Yeah, Just I know. a giant. I know, <laughs> I know, like Gulliver Travels. Um, so the men, the golden mean, that was a major endeavor. And it was also, um, I think it was the first, although you had worked with bronze before, you had done it in a different way. And this was um, the most incredible bronze sculpture of a diver. Um, has a gold cap. Um, in fact, the person shooting this video was used as the model. He's right here. Um, and, um, where, where did that idea come from? Um, well, you know, the golden mean is, uh, the perfect balance. So it's once again about balance. Uh, Michelangelo was a, a hero and the golden mean is the, the perfect balance. If you lean too far one way, you'll fall over. So you have to be, um, you have to be a perfect, imperfect balance. But um, 
The thing that made it different from all my work, and um, it wasn't the bronze, it was the fact that I didn't paint it hyper-realistically. Right. It's that I painted it black right. with a, a gold leaf cap. And I remember when I did it, um, uh, the, um, the museum um, liked it so much that they wanted it to um, be part of their show. And... Um, Which museum? It was... Um, I'm trying to think in, Pe in Peekskill. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. L Livia Strauss yes. had seen it yes. at Mana. Oh, right. And um, she says, that has to be part of my show. And I said, Livia, um, I'm going to paint it realistically. And she said, um, I said, no, I said, I don't, but maybe I shouldn't. I, I'm, I visualize it in, in black patina with the goalie. She says, do that, do the black patina. And I would tell people I'm going to do that. And they said, oh, that's a mistake. You're known for the hyper real. So once again, I was like, um, taking everything I was known for and saying, well, it doesn't matter because this is what I want to do. This is how I want to say it. And as it turned out, um, it was, it was installed in um, in Peekskill in Riverfront Green well, they, Park. They bought it. The well, city of Peekskill. They bought it. They had to apply for a grant. It's a very poor city. Do we have a better picture of that one? I well, don't know. Okay. Um, um, I have it on the streets of Paris, but it doesn't doesn't compare. Well, this to is how you can yeah. see it. Oh, oh Riverfront Green from. The train, if you are riding yeah. Metro North, it is in the park. Yeah, Riverfront Green Park, River, right on the Hudson River. Right on the Hudson. Yeah. And it is a masterpiece. It's a monument to the city because everybody would assemble there and people would do handstands. And um, it's very uh, black and Ethiopian. And people, bec maybe because it was painted black, people identified more with mm. it. Um, mm. But they had, the city had to have it and they didn't have the money. So uh, they, um, they applied for a grant and they got it. And... Um and then you also recently did an incredible sculpture called The Thinker. Once again, um, Rich News Lees had opposed me because uh, when I did the Golden Mean, his face was down and nobody could see the beautiful <laughs> face. So I, I did The Thinker. And it was my impression of The Thinker um, after Rodin. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you will have to share an image of that because, again, that, that was actually in the show at Chase yeah, last year. Yeah, the thinker. Um, Do we have one? And, and the other thing is, you know, people are fascinated with your process. And without giving too much away, I was wondering whether you can just speak a little bit about that, how you start. Um, I guess you, do you look for... You have this idea, and then you look for someone to. It's it's yeah. Go I, ahead with that. Tell um, me. I have an idea of what I want to say. Yeah. Um, based on my own feelings, and then I look for someone who exemplifies those feelings, and then I pose them. And I used to put um, silicone all over them, but I don't do that now. I just do a three D photograph. And um, I work with um, a company blows it up, mm. and I work with the the foam, and I resculpt it. So there's no latex covering the body. Not anymore. Wow. 
Oh my goodness. But it does make good videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's one of, um, you're making of Kendall. Yeah. Which, which, which. I did that. I did that. I schmeared her. I know. I know. That, that's a great video, which I, I want everyone to see. You know, Maluma bought that. Yeah, he bought Kendall out of a gallery in in Texas. He called it his new girlfriend. <laughs> well, he's very fortunate. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is indeed. Um, the other thing about, you know, first you went large, which again makes it possible to have these amazing pieces outdoors. And again, I think, you know, um, Every you know you, you go through this learning process and you just you you I love how you just you know dive into something and figure it out and um, so tell me about the minis which I don't know you don't like that word you like you I like, don't like I like changing ta- to tabletop tabletop table because not everyone can have a life-size exactly. sculpture or a monumental sculpture. Right. And, you know, to be able to enjoy one of these smaller pieces and is, that, yeah. is such a, um, a privilege. Well, not everyone can afford a big piece either. Of course. You know, so But even if you can, they like the little ones. Everybody who, seems who to like I mean, them. who wouldn't want a little one either. I mean, yeah, once again, well. once again, I was told, oh, you're going to ruin your career. Don't do little ones. Um, it's too. Did pu- someone actually say that to you? Yes. Many people. As a matter of fact, my publishers had said that and they wouldn't put any of the small ones in my book. And they discouraged me so much that I never put it on my website to this day. They're not on my website, but the, um, the, ta- the, the tabletop, tabletop size. No. Okay. But uh, that's changing. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. I would think so. And and the other thing about your work in particular is um, although they are editions, um, mostly small editions. Yes. Every, you usually make everything a little different. Everyone is different. Every single one is different. So in this instance, um, the miniature Serena. You know, that first had a black inner tube and right. a white cap. That was the classic. And then you started doing different colors. And then you started... In small editions, like this one. There are editions of 10. 10, yes. And, um, you know, in different caps, it's like you just keep taking an idea and 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 growing with it and embellishing it and just... You know, the, the the creativity that just, you know, pours out of you is, is remarkable. I, I have to say it is absolutely remarkable. I mean, having known you, you know, for a long time now, um, to just see how you just keep evolving. And, and um, you know, you also did dancers recently. Dancers, right. Dancers. And I like to do what people say I can't do. There you go. <laughs> That probably came from your parents, right? Siren so Harmony. Were, right? I think it might have. Because you they know? were not, you said they were not supportive, yeah. so. Siren Harmony. Right, right. And, and then, this is in uh, Avenue George V and uh, Champs-Élysées. I still can't imagine what 
that must have been like to have those on the streets of Paris. I mean, I know you've been, you've had group shows in Asia. You've been in Hong Kong. This everywhere. Is, this is Paris too. It was an umbrella show. Wow. You've been in art fairs all over the entire world. Collectors all over the world now own your work. And um, how do, I mean, how does that feel? I have an extraordinary life. You yes, know, you do. I'm writing my autobiography now. And um, when I think of all the experiences I've had and all the wonderful places I've gone to and all the wonderful collectors and people I've met and models and fans, um, I have the best. I have the best life. You do. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I, you know, your your ambition and energy and and success. It just all has you know come together, and you're just <laughs> flourishing all the time. Since I've Thank known you. you, continue to flourish. Um, so, what you know, th this obviously a very strange time in the world. Yeah right now. Um, and I'm just wondering how that has been for you and, and has it affected your your work, your process? Yeah. Um, the first two months of the pandemic, um, I stayed home and I got depressed and um, bored and I slept a lot and I was thinking, I could really go to the studio because there's nobody there anyway. And uh, the get in my car, drive there, pull into my, uh, my studio. I have a garage space, and um, I did. And I did this sculpture called Eyes Open. And why Eyes Open? Um, her eyes are actually closed. And it's when you close your eyes and you go within, you can actually see more. And it's, it has to do with my meditation. Um, just like I said, I close my eyes, and all of a sudden I can, I can see and um, Are, do you still meditate? By the way, yeah, every morning. Well, maybe not every morning. Not a, not everyone. Not every morning anymore. But I do meditate a lot. I mean, I get up five thirty six, but I have to have that quiet time. I do have time, alone time every morning. You know what? I, I just wanted to also mention that this is a very important, very important group exhibition that you are in right now. Yes. And um, it's a hyperrealism exhibition. It is, and it includes um, Maurizio Catalan, Ron Muick, um, Dwayne Hansen, Dwayne Hansen, and um, it is hyperrealism sculpture. And where it is it's been in all over the world, it's gone to uh, eight different countries, about uh, ten, eight museums in different countries. Yeah. it's traveling, and I have um, my first swimmer. Um, Catalina and, and then also the general's daughter. General's daughter, which was um, I know was exhibited at the National Portrait Gallery. Yes, and I had the great honor of um, at this museum in uh, in Liège, Belgium. Um, they made it the the banner, the huge banner when you walk into the museum. And your image is, yeah. is there. And there's been a book from every different museum has done their own book. So. So that that's a that's I think very special and and what 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 would you like 
What would you like people to know about your work? Well, I like people to... Uh, I want people to like my work, and, and I want them to get to know me, and I want to get to know them through my work. I want to encourage young people also and other artists not to give up and to not to be affected by what people say and to follow their dreams. And you actually have a foundation where you encourage that That's right. and you support artists, which is very, just so generous. Um, so I guess I, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing <laughs> so much about yourself and your your sculpture and process. And and I just encourage people to go to Chase Contemporary and see the work. Um, there's a gallery on 10th Avenue, 231 10th Avenue and 520 West 23rd Street. And um, and all over the world, you will see it. If you <laughs> if you go to any art fair, you will you will see Carol Furman's work and for that, we are very, very happy and proud. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. <laughs>